the store should entertain. And we should have a reason to come into that store and we should create a reason to come into that store. And long before um, we got involved, the pandemic hit us, we were actively working with our clients to develop the reasons how we brought them into the store, how they crossed through the threshold, or what was the reason for them to come into a retail store. And these are all focused around entertainment, experience, and opportunities. This is the safari. The safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. Welcome back to an episode of The Safari, and today I am very pleased to be speaking to my friend Bruce Teitelbaum, who is the CEO of RPG. And for those of you who don't know RPG, RPG, it's an important company to talk about and to talk with, because one of the things they're most famous for, among many things, by the way, is point of purchase and the construction of beautiful, inviting environments for for brands in at the point of purchase where people actually uh, touch the brand and where the rubber really meets the road so the business has expanded into many different areas including doing packaging and there are other things that I'm sure we'll hear about that are quite uh, eye-popping and and something that will be fascinating so I, I urge you to stick around Bruce has been in the industry for a very long time he knows pretty much everybody and he comes at it from every different vantage point from the packaging, from the point of purchase, from the store design, uh, and then frankly, just all of the uh, ideation to bring a brand from infancy uh, to its maturity. So let's get started. Bruce, thank you for joining me on the safari. Morty, I am absolutely thrilled to be here today and take the time to talk to you. It's refreshing to see somebody and be part of an interactive story. Usually I'm used to doing these things face to face, but it's been, I don't know, what's it been like seven months that I've been doing it this way. And uh, I'm starting to get used to it, which I don't like. I'd much rather have you here and we could, you know, have, have lunch afterwards or something. So uh, let's get right into it. I think it's important that we get a foundation. Uh, I tried to do a little intro to explain what you do, but never better than from the horse's mouth. So over to you. Okay, well, I, I think you did a good job. And I think what I would like to start with is tell you the reason why I started RPG. And the idea was to create a company that delivered creative excellence to our clients. Most of the companies that have been in our industry were primarily focusing on manufacturing and lacked the design and innovation that our clients really wanted. We felt if we could combine the best in creative design with the quality manufacturing, we would have a winning combination and develop long-term happy clients. And that was 30 years ago. 
And so when, when, you, um, when you talk about brand today and you spend so much of your time focusing on how a brand who you know has finally reached the big leagues and they're able to open shop and shop somewhere or what have you how do you a think about brand within physical environments and to build out their shops and shops or whatever it may be as the first question and the follow-on to that is how will that be going forward given that there's some anxiety around shopping in physical spaces Agreed. Well, I think the shop and shop concept is a great concept um, because it's an opportunity within a larger department store that has a look and a feel of its own to create a real brand experience in a relatively smaller footprint. So brands could come into a department store and they can have their colors and cues and design and their own style and their merchandise can be showcased in the fashion that that brand really sees it working well within. So we're a very strong proponent of it, um, and I think it will certainly continue. And so in this this environment that is going to be different going forward, I know you've thought a lot about you know the future of retail. Uh, obviously, you are the creators of retail environments, therefore the creators of the future of retail, and you're one of them. What, what's going to happen uh, in your mind with the consumer and uh, how? what are the things you are recommending to clients to, to really bring that forward? So I think there's a lot of short-term solutions that are almost expected right now that revolve around being hygienic or providing um, a safe environment or an environment where the consumers could come in, where they can feel comfortable where there is social distancing, where there is queuing. Um, and I don't think those things are going to change. It, it's interesting, we use this analogy, you know, we always thought it was okay to ride in a car without a seatbelt. And many of us even sat in the front seat until somebody told us it wasn't okay and it wasn't safe. And I think what you're going to see come out of what we've just been through is a lot of changes that are going to become the new normal of safety standards where it's just expected and, and we're going to deliver them in that fashion. And what about sort of sampling? I think there's been new new ideas around sampling for digital native companies. And so for you, the point of purchase is where you've come from. That is your your history, which is a direct-to-consumer way of being. But presumably brands, especially beauty companies, where I know you're very prolific in the beauty space, um, how do those brands that do have e-commerce customers and they want to get samples to people, even it might be sampling in-store, what are some of your thinking, what is some of your thinking about, about sampling itself? Well, we've spent probably the last five months developing new technology and new ideation around sampling because um, due to COVID-19, this is one of the largest discussions that beauty retailers or beauty brands are having right now. Like what do they do in store with sampling and how do people test and feel confident that they could experience product? So we've developed a new um, patented delivery system where we could dispense hermetically sealed samples, single dose samples um, within the store environment. And these pods, if you will, will be able to be applied to gondolas, to walls, to existing displays. So they're in addition 
within the store and they provide the right safety measures where consumers could test and try products. Um, we found from our research, and we certainly know from our brand partners, that virtual try-ons and an AR front where people could try products on virtually help tell the story and they help to navigate the choices they have within the store and help them to find product better. But it does not take the place of consumers actually trying products on and experiencing the colors and the formulations, especially when it comes to color and foundation within beauty. So we need to provide those samples to people or the ways of testing and trying products, but we have to do it now in a safe fashion. And we feel that we've accomplished and provided a very viable solution within beauty. So when you talk about hermetically sealed samples, do you think that this is going to be something you're doing for the next 18 months uh, for your clients? Um, or is there a sense that this is something that will be, as you say, with the seatbelt, something that's here to stay? Well, I think it's the new normal, uh, Morty, because for a long time, we've really questioned um, the use of the testers in the stores. We see them now. Now they provide a beautiful visual um, representation of the brand and people could see color and packaging and testing, but actually taking a tester in a store and trying the product in your on your face is not something that should be done. And now we understand that. And now we're going to do it a different way. So even if we used a live tester product, we've developed a palette system that's made out of sustainable materials where the beauty advisor could almost put some of the product on this palette or on this tray, foundation or a little lipstick and other products. And then they give you um, tools, little beauty tools that are clean and safe. And you can actually try the product on your face and you're feeling even more confident than you did before. So we'll still use testers and they might be through sales assistant, but in stores where there's a lot of traffic, and there's a lot of inter interaction and a lot of consumers, we'd like to use some of these sealed samples where the consumer can just open it up and try it themselves or take it home. So there's been, there's been a lot of talk about customization, uh, even, be even before COVID-19. But it, it seems as though the, the, the word customization at the point of purchase is something that is trendy. Uh, I think it's quite hard to pull off to give a consumer, whether it be in the beauty space, a customized color, uh, or whether it be a customized um, other product, whether it be apparel, accessories, etc. What is your take on the customization idea? So I think that customization or personalization is really the future of beauty. Um, we have a beauty tech platform at RPG called RPG IMX, where we've developed a patent, uh, a portfolio of patents that deliver personalized products at the point of sale um, without human intervention using machinery to custom mix products. But what we're going to see down the road, especially in retailing, is, as you say, what's next, is the reduction of inventory the reduction of excess pieces of product in store, where the consumer can really just focus on the experience, on the product, and they can get that product tailor-made for themselves. So instead of having 
90 shades of foundation sitting on a gondola, we have bulk formulations of foundation where we can make a million different colors and we can do shade matching right on your skin with a tool. And then we can provide that correct formulation for you that suits your needs best. So you're going to see a lot of tailoring of services and application as it relates to product to provide the consumer with something more advanced that they're looking for. Yeah. And, and even if customization um, doesn't become how everything is done, uh, it does seem to me that to provide entertainment, serendipity, excitement, as Marvin would say, theater, it's a way to provide effectively the couture of the beauty industry by, by livening up the stores. Exactly. So we believe in that philosophy very much that the store should be entertaining, the store should be engaging. Customization could be provided by a beauty advisor. It could be somebody is educated and navigates you through the choices or helps you find the right products or recommends a fragrance that might be right for you. So there's all different levels of customization in service, but we do agree with you that the store should entertain. And we should have a reason to come into that store and we should create a reason to come into that store. And long before um, we got involved, the pandemic hit us, we were actively working with our clients to develop the reasons how we brought them into the store, how they crossed through the threshold or what was the reason for them to come into a retail store. And these are all focused around entertainment experience and opportunities. And because this is your, I mean, your job is to think about the, the store of the future every day. I mean, you've been doing that since you started the company in 1991. So um, everyone loves to throw around that term, the store of the future, but there's also practical things that one has to think about that aren't that sexy that you have to deal with, you know, stocking uh, the products and how to get them out for the customer, how, where to store them, um, you know, how much space can be effectively used in a very tight environment, whether it be in a department store or within their own stores. Um, so how do you see the store of the future in a practical sense coming to life over the next 10 years? So we're working on store of the futures as we speak right now. And I think it's a redistribution of the floor plan. So where we might have had a certain amount of space that had traditional counters or walls stocked with inventory, now we're moving that space around and we're having areas of engagement with products and we're having areas where we can physically put the inventory. And the store associate could either go get the inventory or the consumer can retrieve it out of a cabinet. But we're really trying to focus on the product and the experience. So there's all new tricks of the trade about navigation and traffic flow or how we move consumers around the store, how we integrate mobile checkout as opposed to having large cash wraps so we can check you out wherever you are or they can do self-checkout. Um, and we're seeing by applying some of this new thinking to the, to the footprints of the store, it's just naturally working out and coming together. We're seeing an easy flow. Do you have some examples of people that you have been impressed by, uh, whether they're clients of yours or not? Because I know you're a student of the industry and have been not just here, but all over the world. Wh wh who's doing it right, in your opinion, and, and maybe in general and then and more, more recently? 
Well, I can cite two examples, one we created and one we did not. Um, the first one is the Salon Project, which is the new salon concept in Saks Fifth Avenue. And we're currently designing through the um, pandemic, we've completed the design, so we've adjusted our thinking, the salon at Fifth Avenue on the top of Saks. But what we did with this salon is we combined full services with retail products. And what happens is you come into the salon and you're greeted by a senior stylist who brings you to a station that has a self-contained sink in it. And they turn you around and they wash your hair so you can get your hair washed, you can get your hair colored, you can get your hair cut and styled all at the same station. And this was pre-COVID. So we decided we didn't wanna move the the client all around the salon and bounce them around from station to station. And we wanted them to stay put and really be focused on the experience. Then we've integrated throughout the salon all different brands and aspects of retailing where they could experience different products through an iPad or through a physical interaction with the product and they can buy products while they were getting services. So it was a, a great integration of bringing classic retailing together with a service business. And we were able to up the basket um, for, you know, for that, um, you know, retailer. Second one that I think is doing really well is what IKEA is currently doing in the home sector. So you can go into a very large IKEA store and through an app on your phone, you can virtually see what the furniture looks like in your home environment. Um, and you're, generally dealing with large pieces and it's hard for consumers to visualize that or to understand that and now through an ar front they could physically put those pieces right into their living room or their bedroom and see what they look like which is going to increase the confidence in what they're buying which is going to decrease the return rate and increase the satisfaction we'll be right back I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage, and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry. And it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the safari. So speaking of technology, you raised AR. On the one hand, you have the brands that some of which you helped build, and, and I won't drop names, but I know you've built uh, brands for some of the most famous people in the industry uh, who have brought their own panache to the table in opening stores and their own websites and uh, special appearances, department stores, you name it. And on the other hand, you have this giant Amazon who recently launched um, their own luxury platform uh, with one brand. Um, and, you know, there's the prospect of now luxury brands going online. Um, given your experience of what I would call touch and feel, the physicality of and the importance of physicality within brand building, 
Um, talk to me a little bit about your notion of, you know, will one gobble the other? Is the Death Star here to stay? Uh, does the Rebel Alliance, the rest of us, uh, have anything to, to, to hope for? One, one of my uh, friend's favorite people, um, a guy named Scott Malkin, who says, if the future of retail is digital, is e-commerce, well, the future of brand is brick-and-mortar retail. Um, you know, is there any, uh, do you agree with that? Uh, what do you think about all that stuff? I would tend to agree with that. I think that for a large digital operator like Amazon, there is a need, a want, and a desire, and it's here to stay. I think it's an added convenience that has made shopping in our lives very easy, where we can get products that we want and we can get them quickly. However, they do not take the place of a brick and mortar experience where customers really want to come in and they really want to touch products. They want to feel fabrics. They want to see colors. They want to try things on. They want to get the fit and feel right. And they want to experience the brands and the products. It also, I think, diminishes the want and the desire when you just clearly buy things online, the satisfaction or the delivery of something just coming in a box as opposed to trying it on and it being um, fitted. We do a lot of work in the apparel space and we are seeing an increase in fitting rooms, an increase in the um, salespeople in those shop and shops or stores working directly with their clients and bringing looks into the dressing room and and recommending different styles and really having that one-on-one interaction that elevates the experience that's very very hard to get online so speaking about you know the the content and brand building because you really think of yourself as a, a brand building agency which happens to do a lot of um, that br- bringing those brands to life in physical places, but you do packaging and you do many many other things in between. Um, talk to us a little bit about how brands came to the table, how they showed up to your office 20 years ago, and what they were asking versus what brands, even younger brands potentially today, what are they coming to you now and saying versus a marked difference from 20 years ago? So I'll tell you a very, very interesting story. Probably um, close to 30 years ago or 29 years ago, when we started our business and we probably only had two or three people sitting in a room at the time and just point to note, those people are still working here today, 30 years later. Um, We got a call in the office and somebody said to me, Bobby Brown is on the phone. And she wants to talk to you about, she wants to talk to you about something. And I thought, the first thing I thought to myself is, why would Bobby Brown, the singer, be calling me? (laughs) So I picked up the phone. She said, hello, this is Bobby Brown. And I started a lipstick line. Um, I started my business at home. And I'm selling my lipsticks in Bergdorf Goodman. And they told me that if I want to sell them here, I need a display and I should call you. And that's how that relationship started. And I think many years ago, we saw a lot of brands being created by people like Bobby, by people like Christina Carlino that created Philosophy, Smashbox, Marcia Kilgore at Bliss. These were all brands that generated and started small with a great idea. And they just jumped in and they said, we're going to do it. And quite frankly, that's the way we really started RPG. 
just with an idea on how we could do it better and we can provide the right service for our client. And over the years, those brands grew and they were coveted by retailers. And then some of them were acquired by larger companies. So they were able to scale or some of them raised money or made money. So they were able to scale. Um, and I think we are seeing today, 30 years, a big trend in going back towards that. So where for a number of years, you saw large companies in the industry trying to start brands and they're very complicated and how they get them off the ground and the planning and the strategy um, behind them. We're seeing a very large trend of going back to brand ideation and development where they're done with smaller teams and they're done with a unique point of view. And, and do you think that um, the, the messaging uh, for example, um, whether it be sustainability in packaging, whether it be uh, the use of water uh, in product development, um, uh, recycled materials in the point of purchase at the you know in the store, what um, what examples do you have of brands coming to you saying, look, you need to re-engineer how everything is done to make this a story itself? And and the the thing that comes to mind is, you know, years ago. Um, the idea of saying to someone, we work with a company that has helped us re-engineer our supply chain so that everything we put on the, on the storefront is sustainable. You know, no one would ever talk about the stuff that happens behind the curtain. And now right. it seems to me that everyone is talking about everything that's happening behind the curtain because you need the transparency. How is that happening today? I think it's it's very, very important and it's happening every day and it's been happening for quite some time. We physically make things that are made out of plastic and wood and metal. So just as a first call to action, there's a longer life period for these displays or fixtures where they're not being turned over as quickly because we're concerned about the longevity of them and where they go after their life, you know, at retail. Our clients are constantly coming to us and challenging us on the materials that these displays are made out of. Are they um, milk-based ink? Can we change the recyclability number on injection molded plastics. How does it break down after it's used? And what's the life cycle of the material? We're also looking within our global manufacturing facilities of being far more vertical in all of the materials. So we're very aware of the carbon footprint and we're not moving materials around from factory to factory and they're made in a more streamlined fashion. So. That conversation is, is very, very important and will be a top priority for us moving forward. And, and I know that you also do product packaging. Um, so from conceptualization to you know, the deployment of that packaging, are there any uh, tips or ideas that you, or, or maybe trends that you're seeing within packaging design that are of note today? Well, I think the trends in packaging design is that the packaging really needs to be unique and true to the brand um, that it's supporting. So there are new materials and there's new processes and there's ways of achieving visible looks on packaging um, that will certainly enhance that packaging that can be made a different way today that they might have been made five years ago. I think equally as important as the packaging is the formulation 
of what's going into these products. So the first thing we get from a client when we're working on a formulation for a new brand is the do not use list. And those are actually being distributed by retailers that are really controlling that message now and telling the brands themselves the ingredients that they don't want to see in formulations and how they could, um, you know, increase, um, you know, the opportunities to appeal to their ultimate consumers. So there's a common thread going from the formulation of products to primary packaging to secondary packaging and what that's made of or how simple that can be because people generally open a product and dispose of the box that it comes in to the display that it sits on to the fixture that it's living on within the stores. And that's a, a, a broad conversation that we're deeply involved with. So it sounds as though listening to you, I mean, it's fascinating stuff that you have the capability maybe of, uh, of, of sort of, delivering a brand in a box to someone, no pun intended. Uh, so what's next for RPG? I mean, is, is, is that something like that on the horizon? What, what can yes. we see coming out of you yes. guys soon? Yes. <laughs> and that's very exciting. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're reading into that. Um, for many, many years, even in the early days, we were very, very much a part of the brand conversation or the ideation of the brand. So if we're very well known for working with the indies of the industry. And when people are developing a brand from the start, they very often come to us. And we really do have a seat at the table about what works and what the right look and feel are. And now we're evolving as our businesses have really grown from small displays to counter units, to walls, to shop and shops, to full freestanding stores. We're including that brand um, brand discovery now with that brand development. So for people that are repackaging or reformulating or for a celebrity that wants to launch a fragrance or wants to get into a new category, we're very much becoming part of that conversation. So it's an almost like another bucket that we've added on to our capabilities. So what we really have become is a full turnkey oper operator where we're going from formulation Package, packaging solutions, retail solutions, digital and technology solutions, straight through to data collection and maintenance on the other end. So we, we like to position ourselves where we could help our clients with the majority of our needs. So once again, they don't have to jump around to many companies and different um, opportunities. Well, that's certainly a very valuable service. Tell, tell me as we hit the top of our time here together. What gets you excited? I know you're a very optimistic person and I relate to that. Uh, we'd like to end this uh, safari with, you know, a, a point of positivity, uh, which I know it's hard to find sometimes these days, but um, I know of all people, um, you'll be able to find something to leave us with. Well, I think that something that's very, very exciting to me that I've seen and I've been a, a large part of over the last three to four months is I see a tremendous, tremendous amount of innovators coming out of the woodwork and people actually starting new brands. And the opportunity to create something new and fill the white space and or at a time when people are questioning what the future of retailing might be, it's very, very refreshing to see people developing new products and new opportunities. And 
they're almost simplifying that path right now. So it's exciting. What gets me excited personally is to see something that was created that wasn't there before. So whether it's a new lipstick, a new fragrance, a new store design, or a new execution, the idea of creating things is very compelling and very exciting. And I'm thrilled to see that so many smart people within our industry are embracing that quality and saying, like, I can do it, and I want to do it, and I want to be part of it. So it sounds like creativity and entrepreneurialism are thriving and you're seeing it out there in the field. So amen to that. Bruce Teitelbaum of RPG, thank you for doing the safari. Thank you for having me. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.